The Drew Marshall Show, reminding you that two thongs still don't make it right. All right, folks, we're back. Our next guest is Chris Shelton. He is an ex-Scientologist. We've had a number on recently because... Well, Chris will also be, uh, I guess, at the upcoming Getting Clear conference. John Atak, author of A Piece of Blue Sky, uh, one of the premier works on Scientology out there. And Dr. James A. Beverly, Associate Director of the Institute for the Study of American Religion and author of Nelson's Illustrated Guide to Religions, has, uh, they both organized the largest gathering of Scientology critics and ex-Scientologists for the Getting Clear conference, June 22nd to 26th at the Sheraton Toronto Airport Hotel and Conference Center. You want to sign up for the entire conference or register for one day if you'd like, go to gettingclear.co, gettingclear.co. Chris Shelton is a survivor of Scientology, having been involved with it for 27 years and working uh, at its highest levels as an executive and recruiter before he left uh, only two years ago. Uh, Since then, he's been researching and speaking about critical thinking and recovering from uh, cult mind control indoctrination in order to help those who may still be stuck in such situations and their families. Chris has put together some of the best videos to help outsiders clearly understand Scientology's complex layers of management. I watched one of his videos last night. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Chris also wants these uh, videos to help those still involved with Scientology. Uh, His website is MN. That's... um, by the way, uh, Chris, what does MN stand for? It was originally for Minnesota, because that's where I lived when I started it. Okay, so MN, think about Minnesota, and you'll figure out which letters we're talking about, because audibly <laughs> they're tough to figure out. Criticalthinking.com, that's MN, criticalthinking.com. By the way, have you looked for criticalthinking.com? Has somebody already owned that? Yes, I wasn't able to grab that one. You know, you could get some of your ex-Scientology buddies to go and uh, hassle the person who owns (laughs) criticalthinking.com. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, welcome, welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for joining us. And Thank uh, you. Thanks, uh, I, I just I've watched a number of your videos, and you are just a real clear communicator and a methodical, you know, thinker. You really kind of help everyone um, go from A to Z. Uh, quite nicely in your videos, so thank you. So can you, can I ask, I just want to do this first. Would you mind taking me through sure. the entire process? So let's say I'm walking downtown Toronto, and yeah. um, and somebody hands me something, or somebody talks to me, or I look in the window at the Scientology bookstore, book room, or whatever, reading room, and, and I'm intrigued for whatever reason, and I go in. What <laughs> will happen at that point? Okay, so their number one goal, and with you being a walk-in or somebody who's just brand new to the subject, their number one goal is to get a book into your hands and sell it to you. And if uh, if they could, you know, really have their druthers, then they would sign you up for a course, a class, or sign you up for their counseling services right then and there. But they generally don't expect that people are going to do that straight away. So if they the, get a real hot prospect, they'll go for that, though. Right. So the first thing is they want to get Dianetics in my hand? Yes. Or a basic Scientology book like uh, Fundamentals of Thought or uh, uh, New Slant on Life or one of those one of those uh, beginning Scientology books. Right. Okay. And let's say I, I was a real keener and I wanted to sign up for, for something right away. They sensed it. They pitched it. I took it. Uh, what would be the first course I, or first thing I would sign up for, and how much would it cost? Okay, well, um, what they do is they have an, an array of basic courses 
uh, they have about 21 or 22 of them. And the way it goes is when you walk in, the first thing they want to do is they actually kind of treat you hands-off and they just let you walk around in their audio-visual display area. They have these huge things set up uh, where they have all these TV monitors and they, they show you all these videos and whatnot that cover all the various aspects of Dynetics and Scientology and Ellen Hubbard's life and uh, the various social betterment programs that the church supposedly engages in and that sort of thing. And they give you a lot of, they really pump you up with a lot of PR about how, how wonderful they are and all the good works that they're doing. Then you're supposed to be so impressed that you ask for more information about whatever it was that you saw. The idea here is that something you see in all of this wide array of stuff is going to appeal to you. And you're going to go, oh, I want to know more about, you know, that aspect of Scientology. Mm -hmm. And so you go ask. They then sit you down, and basically what they want to do is get you to take one of their personality tests. Does that cost any money? Nope. The personality test is a, quote-unquote, uh, it's a free service that is, you know, supposedly worth $100 or $200 or whatever, and it's this, and basically what you end up with is a graph of your personality. It all looks very scientific, and it's all pseudoscience nonsense. But Hold on, I can't they, believe John Travolta did this, because he doesn't have one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, so they want to get you to take one of these personality tests, and the reason for that, and this is really key, is they want to find... The, the personality test is just something to get you talking, so that they can, kind of like a cold reading, mm -hmm. they can then... It, it makes the cold reading a little warmer. Right, because you're telling them information about yourself in so, these multiple choice questions. So it's like going to a fortune and teller, and they're they're trying to pick off stuff that they can. Uh, you got it. Lean into you a little more. It. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And so then they sit you down with the results of the test, and this is 200 questions. So you're going to be there for you know 45 minutes or an hour doing this thing. Ten minutes tops. So yeah, <laughs> so you know that's that, but this is you know if you're hot, if you're interested, this is what they're going to try to do, right? So they sit you down, and they, and they do this thing, and then they show you the graph, and they then start doing the cold reading, right? They then start throwing things out to see what, what, what bites, right, what hooks. And what they're looking for is your ruin. That's what they call it, your ruin, the thing that's ruining your life. Oh, we right? could be there a while. It's, well, you know, for different people, it's different things, right? Job, family, kids, you know, parents, wife, whatever it is. Money. Uh, is there know, is there a, is there an all of the above box that you can check? Um, well, they're looking for something that specifically is going to bite for you right. that you want to change or improve, so that they can then say, no matter what it is, and they'll they'll tell you this, no matter whether it's family or kids or whatever it is, Scientology has the answer to that problem. L. Ron Hubbard figured it out. And we have a service that will help you with that. And that, that's when the pitch comes in to buy the course. And that's where they have these 21 different courses. They cover all these different topics. Okay, so out of the 21 courses, they, the find, they find out that one of them is, is kind of hooking into your sob story. And so yeah. uh, they'll say, okay, we have a course here for you. And now, do these courses uh, range in price, or are the initial courses all around the same dollar point? No, the initial the initial courses will run anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty bucks. 
Okay. And of course, you're going to take. And all right. All right. Yeah, that's how they, they start small. Yeah. Right? They always start small. Okay. So I, and, then, and it builds from there. Then I take one of the courses. I, I lay down the coin. I take a course. I get the results back. Yep. And let's say let's yep. say one of my issues is um, alcohol. Oh, which it might be or it might not be. Um, let's say that's the issue, and they say, "Well, here's a course for you." Okay. And I take the course, and then uh, yep. and, and then what? Well, I've taken the course. Now what? Okay, so the course, all of those courses cover very basic common sense principles that pretty much anybody could agree with, right? And the the reason for that is because what they want to do is they want to get your mindset into the frame. You want to get you into a frame of mind that L. Ron Hubbard was a really smart guy and really down to earth, and he had solutions for all these various problems. And while you're doing that class, maybe after your class period or before your class period when you come in, they'll start feeling you out and talking to you about the rest of Scientology, or they want to start getting you into the Scientology culture, right? So there's a mindset there. It is a cult. And so... That, you know, you see, you know, you might have other questions that come up or, you know, uh, different things, you know, other things you might be interested in. And they'll stitch you down and they'll be super nice, super understanding. And they'll try to kind of get you into this frame of mind that, you know, Ellen Hubbard is a genius and Scientology has all the answers to everything. And boy, you, wait till you finish this class because you won't believe what's going to come next. And they put these little mysteries there and really kind of keep you all enticed and really into this. So, you finish that class, and then they have another class for you, right? Maybe you go from handling, um, you know, upsets with your boss, and then the next class is going to be a communications class. And that class is, you know, your first class was 50 bucks. Your next class is going to be 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. But you're so happy with that first class that you go, oh, well, okay, I'll pay more for this next class because if the first one was good, the next one must be just as good, right? And so begins a progression where each next service is gradually more and more and more money. And because you're led down this path, you know, in six months, you're paying $2,000 for a service that you never would have considered paying for the first day you walk in there or even considered taking Right, but Chris, these days people will pay that much, if not more, for a weekend or a, a, a one-day seminar with Eckhart Tolle or with uh, uh, the tall, freakishly tall guy, Anthony Robbins. Anthony Robbins, yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Or or they'll they'll spend that much money given to Jesus over a month in the offering plate because well, they go to a church that where the preacher sells them hope. Okay. Well, I've not seen too many uh, Christian churches or Jewish synagogues or things like that asking for 50 bucks in order to listen to your problems or listen to your confession. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not as it's not as upfront, but of course, if you if you go to right. church, they uh, they put the hit on you every week, right? They do, but if they, but if you give two bucks, they're not going to. That's true. Say, hey, get the hell out of here, yeah. right? <laughs> In Scientology, you, you, if you don't walk in there with money, you are not going to get Scientology. Oh, so now the, the one down in Toronto, I often notice a fair number of uh, what we call street people or beggars. We used to call them bums. Uh, around the place, but I and it's cold and rainy out or whatever, and then they have that beautiful empty library with nobody sitting there reading books or nothing. Exactly. 
And I thought, why don't they... uh, They do not encourage people to come in. No, no. So they don't want the bums in there because they can't afford the cash? Exactly. And bums stink up the place. And bums, this is all according to them. I'm not not telling you how I feel. Hmm. But bums give the place a bad vibe. And see, here's the thing. And this is uh, just to get really brass tacks about this. Scientology is not a religious movement. Yeah. is a money-making thing. Yeah, well, let's do that now, actually, um, Yeah, because I can't stay on a train of thought for very long, so let's <laughs> let's do that now. So, the the, the greatest shtick that they've got is calling themselves a church, and th- yeah. but that ran, did they not run into tax problems, government problems, investigation problems, you know, non-profit yeah. charitable status problems? I mean, yeah. and at the same time, I think about how Benny Hinn has a, uh, a charitable status. Well, if Benny Hinn's got one, then Elrond and the gang should have one, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's not difficult to get non-profit status as a religious organization, right? Yeah. Especially in the United States, 501c3. They hand them out like candy. But right? how, do the, how, do the, how does this gang prove they're a religious organization? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so originally they incorporated back in 1954, and they, and they said, okay, we're a church. In the United States, if you start a church, and I don't mean, I mean of a, a, a one of the usual faiths, the Christian church, Catholic church, if you just start up one of those things, you are automatically granted tax-exempt status. You don't even have to apply for it. Mm-hmm. If you're a new faith or a new religion sort of thing, like Scientology, you apply for it, and provided you meet you know, various easy-to-meet criteria, they'll give it to you. Now, they gave it to us, L. Ron Hubbard, in 1954. By 1967, the IRS had investigated Hubbard. They'd had, they'd had enough complaints and enough uh, indicators and signs that something was up with this, and they pulled, they revoked, uh, on the IRS's um, origination, they revoked the church's, church's tax-exempt status because they found that L. Ron Hubbard was being personally uh, profiting, inurement, uh, from the church, and, they, and, and the church didn't have tax-exempt status in the United States from 67 up until 93. Right, and then in '93, Miscavige uh, kind of changed that. Yeah, they they did about oh I don't know I think it was uh, probably six five or six years of very very intense work with the IRS uh, to get that worked out. The story is very unclear. There's a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of conspiracy theory, and there's various things on it. I, I, all I know is I don't know, so I don't make assumptions about, you know, blackmailing the IRS and this kind of stuff. I, I don't know how it happened. I know there was a lot of back and forth. I've seen a lot of documents, and I know for a, I do know, without question, that the church lied through their teeth to get that tax exemption. I've got documents showing, and I've got yielding little tabbies all over it, because I was going to make a video on it at one point all the lies the church told the IRS in order to convince them that there was no enormment going on anymore and that it was all on the up and up. And they, you know, completely misrepresented what Scientology is to the IRS to get that tax exemption back. Okay, Chris, if I have all the money in the world, how long would it take me to walk in the door on Young Street? Is it, by the way, Tim, do you know if it's still on Young Street down in downtown Toronto? Anyway, how long would it take me to walk in the door of a Scientology <laughs> building uh, to get to <laughs> Satan level three? <laughs> Satan level three. <laughs> okay, it's um, 
you would invest anywhere from um, $150,000 to $200,000 to get to that point, that OT3 news story. That won't get you all the way to the top, to the very top, to OT8. You're talking $350,000 just for the services. And believe me, they're going to hit you up for way more than that by the time you get there. I don't know anybody who could make it all the way there without investing, I don't know, $500,000 at least, unless they had an iron will and never gave a dime. But very hard to get out of that. Right. But even so, if I had that money and I laid it down, let's say I walked in and I said, here you go, here's five hundred grand, or like that yeah. uh, like that farmer in Australia who donated a whole bunch of stuff before he went bankrupt. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, I laid down a hundred grand, right? Or, I don't know, five hundred yeah. grand. And I said, I want to go from... Zero to Mach 3 as quick as possible. Here's the cash. Yep. Make it happen. How long would it take? To get all the way to OT8 would take a couple of, it would take a few years, mostly because um, once you get to this high level called OT7, people tend to be on that for years. I've known people who've been on that for 10 years. Uh, I've known some people who've been on it as short as two years. So it's yeah. variable. That service alone tends to take a lot of time. But they'll get you up to clear within, oh, I don't know, six months or so, and they'll get you to OT3 within a year if you went balls to the wall. I mean, just flat out, you could do it in a year. I thought uh, I, I thought achieving clear status was virtually impossible. No, no. They'll take it away from you eventually, but you can get there pretty fast. And, and, and for our listeners who are just tuning in, we're talking about Scientology, and uh, we're on the phone with uh, Chris Shelton, who was with him for, what was it, 27 years? Yeah. And he's been out for two, so we're trying to get the goods on what really is going on here. the The process of going from uh, you know up the levels to oh, what is what is it? OT eight is that the highest one? Yeah, OT eight is the highest. Okay, uh, you said that could take a few years, even if you had all the cash, but it would take a heck yeah. of a lot longer, would it not? If you ended up in the RPF, by golly. Well, yeah. Now, here's the thing about that. There is. I was talking to you as a as a talking about as a public person. Right. Yeah. Because as a Scientologist, there's various levels of dedication and various levels of work. You can go be a Scientologist and not work for the organization, right? And certainly not not move up to the highest level, which is the C organization, S E A, like Ocean C, the C organization. That is the clergy of Scientology. That's the highest level. Those are the guys who are actually administering the movement on a worldwide core level. So you have public Scientologists who just go and pay money and do classes and do the counseling. Okay, you so the, they would be, members. just in comparison, they would be what, like a nominal Catholic? Yeah, exactly. Just people who go to church every week. Just okay. regular Joes. Got right? it. They have jobs, they have families. Yeah. Then you have staff members. They are um, the ones who work at the Toronto organization, the local organizations, right? That's what I call them, the local organizations. Mm-hmm. Denver, Las Vegas, Toronto, the, the churches you see out and about, right? Those guys work, you know, 40 hours a week. Some of them work more. Um, you know, they get a lot of crap if they don't put in their 40 hours. They want them there all the time. And, um, and that's a higher level of dedication. They're not making any money. They're considered volunteers. Legally, they have zero employment status. They sign contracts that the staff members at the Toronto organization have signed contracts of employment or volunteering contracts for two and a half or five years at a shop. And they make no money, right? They, um, 
uh, and they have no rights. I mean, they're, they they sign contracts that, that you're giving your all to this organization, to this group, and we are really not obligated to give you anything. Are they the gang that can end up in Scientology prison? No. Oh. No, your staff members are not going to go to the RPF. They're not going to. They're going to get physical discipline in terms of maybe cleaning toilets, staying up all night. That kind of thing goes on at a, at a local organization level. But when you're talking about the hardcore stuff, you're talking about the C organization, and that's the billion-year contract. That's the group that works 24-7, full-time, room and board taken care of. They don't do anything except Scientology all day, every day. Right. Okay. That's, and that's the, that's the group I was part of for 17 years in Los Angeles. Right. So that's like Hillsong, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just we're making comparisons to the Jesus scene. You see, totally, uh, yeah. Totally. So, um, so I, I just want to just because look, honestly, the RPF thing is the thing that most people kind of raise their eyebrows at, right? They kind of go, really? So, if you're in like the upper echelons yeah. of of the uh, Scientology yeah. group, you're part of the Sea Org, the billion year contract yeah. stuff, and you you screw up somehow, uh, you go to you go to prison. You go you you mm-hmm. you do a little hyperdrive thing and go back to the 1950s and end up doing slave labor prison stuff. Did we define RPF? That's right. Yeah, what does RPF stand That's for right. again? It's Rehabilitation Project Force. Dun, dun, dun. And it's a, so it's a group of people who do projects. So they're called a project force. And the whole point of going to, and this is very Orwellian, okay, but the whole point of going to the RPF is for rehabilitation. Okay? That's a very Orwellian use of that word. Because what they're doing is they're is they're reinstalling uh, the the mind control, right, uh, in, in a very hardcore way by segregating you from the rest of the group, including your wife or kid, um, and keeping you you can't talk to anybody outside of the RPF unless you're spoken to. You're you you birth in a separate location. You you eat separately. The food you get is substandard. Uh, your hard physical labor for eight to twelve hours a day. Um, you have five hours of what's called redemption time, which is the time that you're doing the actual reindoctrination steps. And this goes on for years. People like go a there, camp. and they're there for years. Hmm. It, it, it's very much like that. I did it. What do you mean you did so, it? You you were an RPF? Yeah, dude. What did you do to get I, I, get sent to Scientology prison? <laughs> Were you running it, or I, you were in trouble? I, I, I messed up, you know. I, I messed up. I, uh, you know, I, I, I was not. I hit a point where my, after eight years of being in the C organization, this was around 2003, 2004, I hit rock bottom, where I became very disillusioned with, I was involved in church management for the Western United States, and I came to realize that, we were not there doing what we were told we were doing. We weren't there to make the local organizations expand. That's nominally what we were being told to do. But instead, what we were doing is running in a hamster wheel all day, every day, at high speed, and, and you know, being poked and prodded if we weren't running fast enough, yeah. right? Yeah. And I came to realize that, that that environment, that culture was, was, was sort of existed for its own self, and it didn't exist to to make these organizations bigger. And I became, once I saw that, once it got very clear to me, I became very disillusioned with the whole thing, and I kind of hit bottom. However, because of the culture and because of the 
the indoctrination of Scientology itself, my reaction to that and the reaction that they expect you to have when you're in that group is to introvert and look into yourself as the reason why. It's never the group's fault. It's your fault. That's It's never the group's problem. It's your problem. There's so many parallels right. in the Christian scene here, man. I mean... Oh, I'm sure. Any scene. I'm, it's standard cult practice, as I've come to learn since I got out. This is all by the cult playbook, but I didn't know that when I was in Scientology. Where's the cult playbook? I want to get that. Yeah, no, it's on the internet. You can learn about it. Okay, it's right. a UFO on, traveling with it, one of the comets. Right? Margaret Singer, Robert um, Liston, these people have documented this. Right? Chris, can you explain to me what the medals are on the, on the Navy uniforms that Captain David Miscavige, <laughs> Miscavige would wear? What the medal, like what did, what wars did he fight in to get those? Yeah, those are, those, those are campaign ribbons, they're called. I had a whole slew of them there. You got they, some too? They indicate, yeah, everybody in the Sea York does. You have uniforms, they have naval uniforms, and you have rank and insignia. So Tom Cruise wasn't wearing a naval uniform in Top Gun? He was wearing his Sea York Yes, uniform. that's true. <laughs> Tom, Cruise is, Tom Cruise is not in the Sea York. <laughs> no, you get those, yeah. They, 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 those campaign ribbons indicate courses you've done uh, or projects you've been on yep. or successful you know, things you've done. In school, all. we call them report cards. What do you know about report yeah. cards? Oh, I'm still writing mine. Oh, okay, all right. Um, when did the bullying and the suing and the harassment start in Scientology? Did that start with Hubbard or Miscavige? Yes. No, that's, that's all according to Hubbard's uh, policies. Hubbard started all of that going all the way back to the 1950s when he advised that if critics of Scientology are not dealt with severely, then, um, then you know, the, the, the organizational consequences would be bad. So he actually specifically stated in his policies to investigate them and ruin them utterly. Do you think they will try to ruin me? No, uh, I don't. You're a radio personality. You've never been a Scientologist. Oh. They go after ex-Scientologists much harder than they'll go after non-Scientology critics, because non-Scientology critics are not as invested. They go away. You're a radio DJ, right? you got a show. Tomorrow you'll be doing a different show. So, you know, you're not necessarily somebody who's engaged in a, in a long-term campaign against Scientology. Plus... Uh, I, on the other hand, have. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, Plus, these days, uh, the Internet is killing Scientology, because Scientology, from, oh, what, yeah. from what I understand... You know, I mean, there, there, there's the whole maintaining confidential secrets, and and uh, right. it's hard to do, you know, and, and and getting even with people when stuff is out there on the internet. You can't you can't do your dirty tricks as easily anymore. And then the whole maintaining well, that's exactly right. The whole maintaining confidential secrets in any organization, in any organization, whether it's the Masons and their secret handshake where they slit their throat and disembowel themselves, which reminds me of Fred <laughs> Flintstone and the. Uh, in the uh, Oski Wee, Oski Wa, oh, the, the Buffalo the, uh, Lodge. Buff- Water, yeah, Buffalo, Water Buffalo Lodge. Lodge. Right. And then there's the Stonecutters right. with Homer Simpson. Yes. Um, so maintaining confidential secrets in any organization, I think, attracts um, you know, hot new converts, right? And, and, uh, and new conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists as well. And it probably keeps the interest of new converts, uh, converts as they progress up the chain. Right. Well, we could tell you that, but you you have to wait until Thetan level four for you to understand how to figure out the Rubik's Cube kind of stuff. That's right. Yes. That's right. No, it's very much a hook in Scientology. And, um, 
And you see, here's the thing. Everybody in the world knows about Xenu, except the Scientologists. The Scientology are not going to go look on the Internet at that stuff because they're indoctrinated not to. So, but the thing is, their, their new membership is tanking. I, the way I put it is, and I've been saying this for a year now, is Scientology is dead. They just don't know it yet. Right? It's yeah. just, this type of organization... As I just said, attracts a certain level, a certain kind of person, I would imagine. And and I I've run into some of these people just recently. Uh, it was it was kind of interesting. It was brought to my attention that um, after I interviewed Tony Ortega and Paulette Cooper, uh, there was I guess my name came up in the comment section of Tony Ortega's site, and he's got a very comprehensive site. And so uh, somebody said, oh, you should go read. That. So I went, okay. I went over there and read. Boy, they just were angry with me because after. At the end of my interview with Tony, I, I kind of felt, I said, you know, I always feel a little icky when I when I interview somebody who's taken the mickey out of their old religion because, you know, there's a bias there, and I'd like to hear from the other side, which is why I sent an email mm-hmm. to the president of Scientology Canada, Yvette Shank, and I said, look, I'd love mm-hmm. for you to come back on the show. She's been on before. I want you to come back and, and, and help us balance this out a little bit, right? So I said I felt icky. Uh, because I, you know, I'm kind of trash and helping to trash somebody's religion. Boy, did they take me to task for that, man! And then they went, wow! And then they went, oh, and he didn't even read his book. I knew he didn't read his. These people don't have an idea. First of all, I have the biggest learning disability in the world when it comes to reading. Second of all, I get six books a week. I got to friggin' read. That ain't happening, Jake. Not gonna happen. I could do a decent right. interview and not read somebody's book. I just want to vent. Can I vent? Is go that for it. Go for it. I feel hey, go for it, man. <sighs> Your books need to be in comic form. <laughs> yes. If they had a scratch and sniff book, I might go through it. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, I, you know, yeah, I just think the conspiracy theorists and reactionary and underground and, you know, and listen, if they've right. been poo-pooed on for a lot of years and families have been wrecked and their lives have been, you know, part of their lives have been destroyed, the whole thing, I can understand them being very sensitive and very ticked off with anybody who, you know, gives somebody a pass with the Scientology thing. I get that. but There's some very, very uh, strong emotion uh, with some people in regards to Scientology because... Families have been destroyed, and I do mean destroyed by Scientology. Yeah, that's work, not cool. There have been work relationships, there have been businesses that have been purposefully and strategically tanked by Scientology. They've gone after people in such a way that they have bankrupted them and ruined their lives, and that's not a joke. That is for real, and that's really happened to people. And those are some of the people you're seeing when you look at the comments on Tony's blog. Man. Man, all right. Well, so these are some pretty pissed off people, and I don't think that they're going. You know, it's not personal because don't know. You know, against you. You know, there, there. Anybody who doesn't, you know, you, people get into this mindset where it's very black and white. And I, I haven't gone there because I embrace critical thinking, and so yeah. I recognize shades of gray. This is why. I, this is why I wanted you to be our last Scientologist guest. You brought some crazy fun, ba- crazy fun balance. That was a horrible way of saying I really have enjoyed you on my show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but they claim to be a service-oriented group, like the Masons or like the Lions Club or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't hear of many Scientologists volunteering or raising money or serving. Like, I don't see them in parades on the little cars. You And you won't, because if there's one thing I could get across to your listeners, it is that the religious angle of Scientology is window dressing. That is not what Scientology is. It, just because somebody says they're a religious movement doesn't mean that's what they are. 
they are a money-making scam, and that is what they do 24-7. Okay, so what you're so, saying to finish this interview is that I should have no concerns whatsoever that they're planning on building the Canadian National Headquarters, similar to the Miami place, uh, 15 <laughs> minutes from my house out in the country. I would not really be too concerned about it because, as I said, the religious movement is dying as a movement. I mean, you'd have to be a fool to become a Scientologist at this point with the information available about them. Okay. And they're not going to change because they can't. They're incapable of change as an organization. They're not, there isn't going to be a Scientology Reformation. So, <laughs> so, Are you, you coming know. up to the Toronto thing, Chris? I am. I'll be there all week. Oh, great. I look so forward to meeting you. Uh, Chris will be a guest at the upcoming Getting yes. Clear Conference. John Atack, the author of Peace of Blue Sky, and Dr. James A. Beverly, Associate Director of the Institute of the Study of American Religion and author of Nelson's Illustrated Guide to Religions, have organized the largest gathering of Scientology critics and ex-Scientologists for the Getting Clear Conference, June 22nd to 26th at the Sheraton Toronto Airport Hotel and Conference Center. Sign up for the entire conference or just register for a day. You can do either. Go to gettingclear.co for more information. Chris, dude, thank you. His website, Chris Shelton, is uh, MN, which is a short form for Minnesota, criticalthinking.com. Really highly recommend uh, everyone go and watch some of his videos. He's a great communicator. Chris, thank you, man. I I look forward to meeting you uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you too, Drew. Thanks, man. All right, take care. Bye-bye. There you go, Chris Shelton on the Drew Marshall Show. That, I think, is our last ex-Scientologist guest on the the show. Um, Hopefully, next week, we'll have a representative from the Church of Scientology themselves on the show. It would be great to have Yvette Shank back. I've sent her an email and an invite. Um, Although, you know, I guess maybe if they don't like me, they're not going to come. I know I did you wrong. Sick of your pastor, minister, rabbi, or imam preaching every single weekend? Want to get rid of them? Then it's time to give them the Cranberry Village experience. Look, we all know they deserve to get away from you for the weekend, but you need to give us the inside scoop. So to nominate your pastor and their spouse to win an $1,800 weekend away at Cranberry Village, simply go to drewmarshall.ca and click on the man being thrown from a cliff. Then fill out the form and explain why you want to get rid of your pastor. Then on July 25th, we'll randomly draw the winner, which means that the more individual submissions from your church the greater chance of your pastor winning this. A getaway for two at Cranberry Village, which includes a two-night stay at the Living Water Resort in a one-bedroom condo, a round of golf for two with a lesson from the golf pro, spa session for two, dining for two at Memories Restaurant or Agua Tapas and Wine Bar, bicycle rentals, and boating for two. This prize package is valued at over $1,800. But wait, there's more. We'll also read the top 12 stories during our shows in July. You know, the stories that made us laugh, cry, or stand in awe of your pastor. Then we'll randomly draw from these 12 stories on July 25th and the winner with one of the best reasons to get rid of their pastor will win this. A getaway for two at Cranberry Village, which includes a one-night stay at the Living Water Resort, deluxe room plus one of the following, a round of golf with cart for two, a spa session for two, outdoor bicycle and marina experience, or dining for two at Memories Restaurant and Agua Tapas and Wine Bar. This prize package is valued at over $500. Let's be honest, it really is time to get rid of your pastor for a weekend. For more information, go to drewmarshall.ca and click on the man being thrown from a cliff. Remember, the more individual submissions from your church, the greater chance of your pastor winning an $1,800 weekend get away at Cranberry Village in Collingwood. Submissions will be accepted until June 30th, 2015. One submission per person.